The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Hey, Liz, are you ready? Oh my God, Jody, I'm totally ready. Do you know that this is our 10th? show no really and did you know that we've actually gotten extended so we're gonna keep going with these how cool is that it's totally cool we're big thanks to avalara and you know our other sponsor bill.com and i have to say this has been such a ride with you doing this it's been really fun to interview all of our great guests we've interviewed i mean who we interviewed a dressmaker and an ice cream maker and uh the ceo of bill.com and people from avalara uh, last week i mean and today we have a serial entrepreneur i mean it's been so cool and we're so much better than we were on our first show Where we were like little Bambies, like I feel like I was like a little deer, like trying to like put my foot, my legs down on the ground and shaking, you know, I was like, ah. but and now, it was so, yeah, it was so <laughs> awesome too, that we had a professional radio star helping us. So that was, that really yes. worked for us. Yeah. But, um, really great. But we have an awesome guest today and I actually met him on, I'll say, um, uh, kind of a corporate retreat to for social entrepreneurs it's called The Hive, and it was in San Francisco, and that was an experience in and of itself. Um, but I, I was awesome to get to have dinner with Michael and hear all about what he's doing for entrepreneurs. And so um, without going any further, I'm going to let Liz do this formal introduction for our guest today. Yeah, so Michael English is a two. 2013 graduate of North Carolina Central University, where he majored in exercise sports science. Upon graduation, Michael worked two years for a locally owned physical therapy clinic that was later acquired by an equity-backed physical therapy chain. As a student, Michael's love for entrepreneurship led him to start two companies, Goldmind and Mike Check Productions. Goldmine has, since its inception, evolved into a design firm that has collaborated on projects with North Carolina Central University, The Art of Cool Project, and American Underground to produce high-quality events and content. Mike Check Productions is an event services company that produces DJing services for clients in the Mid-Atlantic region. Michael is currently a sales associate at ExitEvent.com, an online an online publication dedicated to covering entrepreneurship in the state of North Carolina, based in Durham, North Carolina. 
Michael's transition from the health field to the digital tech space has led him to see firsthand the opportunities that exist for minorities in the tech industry. Michael's passion and experiences fuels him daily to excel in this new career choice and in his latest project to create innovation spaces on the campuses of historically black colleges and universities. Welcome to the show, Michael. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Whoever wrote that made me sound really, really good. So that's uh, (laughs) that's my first time hearing it. (laughs) Thanks for having me, though. So how did you guys, what, how did you guys meet? You went to dinner. Like, how did, how did you actually interact? What was your first interaction like for the two of you? Yeah. Um, so if, if I can, I'll just give like a little backdrop into how I even found out about Hive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Hive, when I first found out about it, I found out about it through Instagram and it was super random. Um, I checked it out and was a little skeptical um, when I first saw it. There's no, like, online schedule of programming or who's going to be there to speak, but just this grand idea that you can connect with global leaders from all over the world. Um, So, you know, I I took my shot, I applied, and got accepted, and, um, you know, chose San Francisco over Boston because I'd never been to San Francisco before. Um, but long story short, I get there and, you know, it's a room of, I mean, over 140 people from, I think, about 42 different countries. And oh, wow. um, all of which were doing amazing, amazing work, you know, in their pockets of, of the world. Um, but I met Jody um, actually... I want to say it might have been the second night of the event. Um, there were kind of these breakout dinner um, dinner groups, you know, and you can kind of pick a topic based on what you were interested in, and that particular group would go out and kind of talk about it. And I think ours was just general entrepreneurship, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we, we met at the dinner, and, um, you know, it was a table full of, again, you know, some amazing people from all over. Um, but uh, Joey and I connected, you know, just as I was sharing my story and she was sharing hers. Um, so that was that was kind of our first introduction to each other. And and so, yeah, and Jody, I'm sure you didn't miss her because she's quite a presence, you know, and she was telling me that there was a lot of millennials there. So um, and that there is no Diet Coke, which I'm sure, you know, was freaking her out. But um, <laughs> but so, Michael, it seems like you have your hands in a lot of projects. What are you working on now today? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to kind of narrow that down. There's a, a lot going on. Um, but um, my main job um, is with ExitEvent.com. And, you know, as mentioned, we are an online publication. In fact, we're the only online publication solely dedicated to covering entrepreneurship and startup news in the state of North Carolina. So my, my job with that particular company is to do digital ad sales and business development, marketing, um, some corporate sponsorship, event sponsorship work. Um, so everything more or less kind of tied to generating revenue for the site um, and leveraging, you know, our inventory. Um, so, so that's, you know, taking a great deal of my time 
um, on a weekly basis. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I am the DJ for Mike Check Productions, so I started DJing um, in college, you know, as a college student, you know, didn't really have too many job options at the time, um, and I needed money, so, you know, I, I convinced my mom to buy me, you know, this $400 DJ set, and, um, and she was like, how, how are you going to DJ and you don't even talk? <laughs> and uh, really, she, were you shy? She, say it again. Were you shy? You didn't even talk. You didn't talk. Um, I'm a. I like to think of myself as a social introvert. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, I hear it's certain times where you know I, I'll come out of my shell, but uh, she, and of course she knows me best, so she was picking with me at that. Um, <laughs> but she actually came up with the name Mike Check, kind of a play on my name, but um. Yeah, that was that. That's taken a you know a great deal of my time as well. Um, just kind of doing private events and, and DJing for that. Um, and you know, I do, I do a couple of consulting projects. Um, I'm actually uh, working with Hive. They're they're working on expanding overseas. Um, so that's a huge project that I'm you know more than blessed to be a part of. Um, another project with a local um, nonprofit, the Art of Cool Project, and their their mission is to expand the audience for, for jazz. And with them, I um, collaborated to create an innovation conference as a part of the music festival. So kind of our, our take on South by Southwest. Um, so I'm the program director for that conference. And my my own personal like pride and joy is is this concept of creating innovation spaces on the campuses of historically black colleges and universities. Um, I mean, I, I wake up thinking about it. I go to sleep thinking about it. That's 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 me, um, pretty much in a nutshell. Everything you know that I mentioned. These projects are a more or less kind of smaller pieces of me, and this concept to create these innovation spaces is you know everything kind of rolled into one so you're like this like innovation like machine right where like you just think about entrepreneurs and innovation all the time it doesn't matter what you're doing it's you're always trying to figure out the innovative entrepreneurial way to do it yeah i yeah it's 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 weird because you know my my educational background is exercise sports science and you know the the mission was even within that was to own my own physical therapy clinic um and i think you know to the testament of uh, true entrepreneurship is as i was working in a physical therapy clinic you know day in and day out for two years i saw the clinic you know this privately owned clinic which was my goal um get acquired by you know this huge uh group uh, that's just going around buying uh, privately owned clinics. And, you know, their, their big sell was that, you know, a lot of these clinics are can barely make payroll and, and support their workers. Um, and that's, you know, a whole nother conversation about allied health. Um, but just to see that trend and then pivot to say, all right, I've always had, you know, these ideas and, you know, this entrepreneurial and business acumen, let's, pivot and, and kind of explore that and, and build on these ideas I've always had 
instead of just waiting, you know, to kind of grow within a field that's, you know, starting to get um, monopolized or it's, it's turning into a chain versus the, the kind of hands-on care that I, I fell in love with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've always been interested in business um, and just kind of decided to kind of explore it, just really self-submerge. That is such good stuff. I mean, um, yeah. and would you consider yourself a creative or a freelancer, or would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Liz and I keep having this discussion about what's yeah. the difference between an entrepreneur and a freelancer. That's a that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I guess a little of both. Um, I, I like to think of myself as kind of a problem solver. Um, you know, the, a lot of what I believe I'm doing with the innovation spaces on historically black college campuses is is seeing a need and trying to solve that need, um, but also recognizing the opportunity that exists there. Um, so I, I guess it's kind of one and the same is, um, you know, an entrepreneur can, you know, potentially be someone who, you know, owns a business, um, but maybe a freelancer is someone who can kind of float between different industries, but offer a, a very unique service or value add, regardless of whatever the industry is. Um, yeah, so yeah I think you just of, nailed that. I think you just nailed that definition for sure. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael more about Goldmind and and transforming culture through innovation. Um, And uh, so stay tuned. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. You're listening to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar. And our guest today is Michael English, a social entrepreneur. And so we've been talking about innovation and and sort of Michael's journey from a more um, exercise, sports, science background into more tech. And um, one of the projects Michael work, is working on is called Goldmind, and it's about... Um, creating innovation spaces on campuses of historically black colleges and universities. And Michael, you're in North Carolina. I mean, how many black colleges and universities are there in North Carolina or in the area? Yeah, um, so it's about 11 in the state of North Carolina. Uh Um, Total um, in the United States is 105, um, predominantly in this mid-eastern, southern um, part of the United States Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's pretty concentrated, um, as far as geography goes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm based, you know, in, in Durham, North Carolina, my alma mater, uh, North Carolina Central, um, is here. Um, and we, it, it's, it's really a unique kind of area. Um, the, the Raleigh Durham kind of research triangle area is, you know, become known as is is being compared in in a lot of ways to your Silicon Valleys and and the Boston kind of these these major hubs for for entrepreneurship and innovation and technology um but kind of as I, as I grew and and learned about the whole tech industry and and what was happening around the world it was it was hard to see how universities in my particular area, such as, you know, Duke University is about a five-minute drive from North Carolina Central. And then UNC Chapel Hill is about a 15-minute drive. And NC State, you know, is in within about 30 minutes. So all of these universities are major players and contributors um, from a collegiate standpoint to what's going on in this whole entrepreneurial and tech boom in this, in this area. Um, and for my university to be so close in proximity to it and not have any type of representation or impact in it um, really puzzled me. So, um, and as a, I'm sorry. So can I um, have you uh, explain a little bit more about, like, why it's important for um, uh, a, a historically or a black um, university or black college to um be um, by itself. And the reason I say that is because I went to a women's college, so I totally get it. So so I understand the idea of um, likeness and the strength that that brings. But could you give a little bit of background for people who may not understand what it's like to go to uh, uh, a university where everyone's alike? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the, the historically black colleges... Um, and universities, you know, is the HBCU acronym, but they were they were created in a time where um, higher education was segregated, where 
mm-hmm. um, African Americans couldn't attend the same universities as uh, our white counterparts. So these universities were built to give um, African Americans a higher education, um, tactical skills, or trades that they needed to make a living. Um, in their present day form, they they still stand to give uh, students of color a chance to to progress if they can't matriculate into the, the bigger um, Power Five conference schools like your Duke or your your UNCs. Um, so it, it still stands and serves a very unique niche um, from a cultural standpoint. Um, a lot of what we learn is about the history of African Americans. I know very specifically for North Carolina Central, I was able to learn about the Haytai Business District and Black Wall Street mm-hmm. in Durham, North Carolina. And, you know, just a brief history on that is North Carolina Central was born out of the Haytai business community, which was this fully functional uh, self-sufficient community of black entrepreneurs. I mean, they, they started their own insurance company. They had their own banks, uh, transportation system, buses, taxis, uh, architectures, um, everything you could potentially think of, movie theaters, uh, beauty supply stores. Um, and and the, this group of people, this group of entrepreneurs, they collectively built North Carolina Central University. So... Uh, all of these, all of these schools, all of these HBCUs have a very solid historical background, as as do a lot of other universities. Um, but it's something about having an environment of people <clears throat> that look like you, who come from similar uh, struggles that you do, teaching you what you need to know to survive um, and, and right. maintain. And do you think that it actually gives you a stronger voice? Because that's what I felt about being in a woman's college is that it, it, it gave you a little bit more confidence to take on the world because um, because you were in, everyone just looked like you and you would just stand up a little bit stronger when you were presented with, with other things. So is that very similar? Yeah, most, most definitely. It gives, you, it gives you a sense of pride in um, being yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a huge it's huge for your psyche um, to be able to be around and see other people that look like you surviving, not only surviving but excelling in whatever field they choose to. Um, I know very specifically within the African American race, it's it's tough through through media to see images that positively portray um, African Americans. So to be able to be around. Um, you know, professors who, some of who went to historically black colleges who can teach you history, who have, you know, worked for some huge companies that come back and are able to kind of teach you what, what they learned and having peers who are excelling, who, you know, graduate from historically black colleges to go on to, you know, some of these uh, Power Five conferences and, and Harvard. I got friends who, you know, just graduated from Harvard business school that went to my school. So to, to have that base and to be able to tap into that network, I think is, is extremely important. So now what you're doing is you're bringing innovation in to the HPCs, which you haven't really seen before you, like when you were at school that there wasn't like an innovation center. 
Correct. Um, yeah, I, it, there wasn't. I was looking for it, um, and you know, I, I couldn't find it. I, I started um, my entertainment company as a student there, um, but didn't really have, you know, the resources on campus that would help me take that idea from from conception to launch. Um, Goldmine actually started. The original idea was to own a fashion boutique in downtown Durham. Um, but it, it, since then, it kind of transformed into helping other students with, with ideas to start a business, get their idea off the ground. Um, so as, we, as I was trying to launch you know, Goldmine in its first kind of iteration, um, I would reach out to the local um, small business centers and the minority economic development centers, and they would more or less just give me a pamphlet and say, hey, this is how you write out your business plan. Um, And because I wasn't a business student, I wasn't able to tap into those resources on my own campus. Um, And, you know, once I graduated and began to work in a co-working space at American Underground in downtown Durham, I was able to see how, you know, these other universities like your Dukes and your UNCs had, not only did they have on-campus space dedicated for students to create their business ideas or or, or companies, they had on-campus community and curriculum and all of these things to really support the creative um, ideas that their students had. Um, which didn't exist at my university, and with further research, I kind of found out was a very, a very big hole within you know the greater landscape of historically black colleges and universities. So we're not talking about like a business resource center. We're talking about like an innovation startup hub where you can go and you know knock around ideas and set up an infrastructure to build your business. Correct. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of layers to it. Um, you know, yeah. physical space is definitely, you know, a huge component. Um, but, it, it, you know, from what I've learned and, and what I see on a daily basis at American Underground is what makes that space so special is, yes, it looks cool. Aesthetically, it's nice to be there. You know, the Wi-Fi is great and, you know, the, the services are, are awesome. Um, but the people that occupy the space the events that they hold in this space, the sense of community that they create is what really um, aids in the growth of, of these ideas and, and the traction that these companies get. Right. It's being surrounded by other people who are dealing with the same struggles with their own businesses as they try and innovate and iterate on them and bring them into the world. And that's what I think co-working spaces as a whole bring to like the world of innovation um but we're gonna get um we're gonna have to take a quick break but when we come back we're gonna talk more about um what you're doing to um change that for the um hbcs stay tuned (laughs) 
advance, and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. After you bill your customers, hope they pay you on time, pay your vendors, file the paperwork, and try to keep track of it all, you've spent a lot of time. There's an easier solution. Bill.com is a cloud-based business payments platform that works with all the leading accounting software, including QuickBooks. It's easy to set up, easy to learn, and easy to manage. Save yourself frustration, time, and money. We have over 1 million network members and process over $26 billion in payments. Bill.com. Magically Simple Business Payments. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar, and our guest today is Michael English, uh, and we've been talking about transforming culture through innovation, and uh, Michael is from North Carolina and in the process of creating innovative spaces in um, historically black colleges and universities. So we want to talk about... You know, how do you set up an innovation space? You know, I mean, you talked a little bit about that in the last segment, but how do you, like, what are the first steps and how do you go about doing that? Yeah, um, the the biggest thing for me um, was to establish community first. Um, I've seen models where the, the build it and they'll come concept doesn't work. Um, especially for this minority community that I'm targeting, um, there, there has to be a sense of community and a safe space for ideas to flourish and failure to, um, to be kind of redefined. Um, and without that, you know, a physical space will just, will be just that. Um, so for me, the biggest you know, focal point starting out was to establish a baseline community with the people that I intend to serve, right? So try to truly understand what keeps them from sharing their ideas, what keeps them from 
taking the risk to try something different, to actually try to put their idea out into the world um, so it can grow into a business instead of kind of hoarding it in fear that someone will steal it or, you know, uh, kind of take it and, and do it better than they will. But actually, you know, using leveraging that creativity um, to see if there is some, some viability there. And so have you been doing this at colleges? Did you end up doing it at your university? Where are you sort of in the process? Yeah, so right now it's, it's kind of a mixture of, of the two, of building community and actually establishing a space. Um, so for the past about year and a half now, I've been um, doing a lot of interviews with students and university officials to really figure out what the climate is like for entrepreneurship on their particular campus. Um, and a lot of the findings have been very similar on both ends from the university officials is, you know, hey, entrepreneurship is one of the fastest growing disciplines amongst higher education. So we know that we need to put some type of energy into building, you know, a curriculum or movement around this this entrepreneurship, um, but bandwidth and resources, um, especially within HBCU community, is is oftentimes a problem. Um, so trying to solve that problem for the university officials, right, is how do we figure out the bandwidth and resources issue for them, and then for the students, it's um it's it's kind of a mindset. It's it's more or less around. The, being comfortable sharing ideas, admitting that they don't know something so that they can get help for it, um, and being comfortable with building a team amongst your peers. Um, so, uh, again, back to the whole concept of community and social capital amongst the students is if we can create something cool enough for them to be engaged with um, and, and really fight for their attention because, I mean, if we, if we all think back to when we were college students, you, you're balancing school, you're balancing work. Um, a lot of times, especially for students at HBCUs, where majority of them are Pell Grant eligible, uh, meaning that they kind of fall very close to the poverty line. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have to work to, you know, finance their education or support their family back home. So we have to really think of ways to keep them engaged um, from an interest standpoint, but also from, you know, just a time management standpoint. Um, they have to, again, manage their work, schoolwork, manage a job, manage, you know, any extracurricular activities that they have while they're in school and, and life. You know, they want to live and have fun. So just really trying to figure out how do we kind of seamlessly integrate into these students already uh, busy schedule and, and really fight for their attention um, yeah. to show them that this is, is truly valuable for for their future. Yeah, I mean, and it also sounds like, you know, creating the space has to be safe enough for them to yeah. want to go and trust people and, you know, be vulnerable, you know. Um, exactly. And so that, that in itself, like cr- just creating that kind of space is, you know, um, not easy for people that may not, you know, have that or may not expect that, you know. Michael, how old are you? I'm 26. 
So, so you're 26 and you're of the millennials, which is awesome. Um, yeah. But have you connected with any older entrepreneurs who to to kind of help facilitate this? People have already been down that that road, or are you still kind of in the um, millennial space? Or have have any of the older entrepreneurs reached out to help you yet? Um. I've reached out. I've I've had a lot of conversations um, with you know generations past and you know my generation. Um, I, I kind of see myself as trying to bridge that gap. Um, in fact, a lot of the conversations that I have um, with older generations, they say you know, you know, I, I don't really communicate with younger people in this manner, right? Like the a lot of the generation gap. As I as I kind of see it, or have been seeing it with these conversations, is is huge. Um, the generations past won't reach out in some situations because they feel like, you know, the millennials. We feel like we know it all, right? But we don't have much experience. And then on the flip side of that, you know, my generation may feel as if um, generations past should reach out to us because they have the knowledge, and we're and we're thirsty for it, right? They, they're, they're the more mature of the two, so they should reach out to make this, this connection. Um, but there, there is, and I think that just kind of plays into the psyche of, of this Pacific cultural group of African-Americans that I'm trying to connect with, is um, the generation gap of generations past that, that, ha- that may have, matriculated and achieved success through business um, have done it more or less kind of on their own, not in this new wave of sharing information or the whole kind of open source concept of, you know, everyone shares everything. It's a very uh, guarded, protect what you worked your whole life for type of mentality. And, you know, our millennial generation, we don't necessarily believe in that. We want to share Information and we want to share the the um, the recognition for it as well. Um, so it's it's kind of a, a bridging of the two, um, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a very situational. Um, it's, it's on a very situational basis. Everyone isn't like that, but um, kind of the greater context. Um, that's what I found. So the collaboration is there with the millennials, and they're they're interested more in collaborating and. Um, it's harder to get the older entrepreneurs to connect. This sounds well. familiar, doesn't it? I, I know. World? I mean, we're both like, what? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Well, I think it's, it, familiar. Goes, it goes back because our, our generation, we, we grew up with Facebook, right? Like we grew up with right. MySpace. We've been able to communicate with each other in ways that generations past have never been able to communicate. And I, I think that, you know, it can kind of speak to why we gravitate to social media a lot faster than generations past. Um, so, it, you know, it's all, it's all conditioning at, at the it, same time as well. Is there some piece where, you know, the older um, people are, you know, sort of have this mentality of you guys have to sort of figure it out on your, on your own because, you know, we've had to really work hard to get where we are. I mean, I feel like I've experienced similar sentiments, you know, um, in talking to businesses and people who are successful, which I think, you know, obviously is changing because I think there's a lot of older um, business owners or executives that want to sort of 
reach down and help people who are trying to, you know, climb up. But um, have you found that there is resistance? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, most definitely. Um, there's resistance in some parts and in other parts. Um, they're they're uh, wise enough to realize that someone somewhere has to continue whatever I built, right? There's, right. there's this continuation factor that if I don't connect with someone in the next generation, what I've worked so hard to build will die here with me. <laughs> right, um, the succession so, piece of it. Exactly. So, and, um, yeah. And so then the other thing that, to me, it is reminding me of is when I think of entrepreneurship, and I know because I'm in accounting and I see entrepreneurs in every field, I think a lot of people think of entrepreneurs, they think Silicon Valley, they think tech, and they think STEM. Do you think um, that the fact of um, STEM with minorities has contributed to this, or do you think it's just one more barrier um, that there may not be that many um uh, STEM African Americans who have gone before to help facilitate more of it, and maybe we should define STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they get they got a, it's a new term now, STEAM, where they threw the A is for art. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. <so> yeah. <laughs> um, but and, and let me know if I answer your question correctly, but. The opportunity now for minorities to participate in STEM and technology is is great because of the lack of representation. Um, I I do believe there are you know certain people within the minorities, um, especially within African American races, that will gravitate towards your engineering and your your coding and those type of hard skills, just based on their skill set. But I do believe there is an extreme opportunity for everything that kind of supports these businesses. For instance, my my introduction to the whole tech industry is around sales. And I've mm-hmm. never really considered myself a salesperson, but I'm awesome at connecting with people and building relationships, which what I'm learning is the key element to sales. They don't mm-hmm. buy your product, they buy you. Um, so I Absolutely. think with I think within the tech industry, um, there are a lot of opportunities um, for minorities to participate um, from a creative standpoint. Whether it's you know a design uh, contributing you know from design elements or it's sales or it's marketing, um, some of these soft skills that you know everyone will not that a greater majority will be able to contribute to versus engineering and kind of the, the science, technology, um, engineering and math uh, umbrella will will kind of restrict them from. But there, there are definitely some opportunities um, outside of that that I think need to be addressed. And there's definitely a focal point um, that I want to hit in creating these spaces is that um, – everyone won't be able to create the next Facebook. Everyone won't be able to make, you know, the next great tech company, but there are, you know, extreme opportunities within the products and services market that, you know, African-Americans, we, we contribute over, you know, a trillion dollars on a yearly basis to, to uh, buying products 
you know, so that's a customer segment that can be um, attacked just based on what we buy ourselves. Why not create some of these products that, that we need, that we buy, and these services that we consume on a, on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to actually ask you about coding, but right when we come back, we'll, we'll finish up our talk with um, Michael English. Stay tuned. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with... Jody Paydar, and we're talking to Michael English today. Just a quick minute to um, give a shout out to Avalara and Bill.com, our sponsors. Thank you. And we've been talking about um, science, technology, engineering, and math, and and the opportunities for um, minorities. So I, you know, I was reading in the Atlantic about coding, and you know, coding is like a, becoming like a major a major thing. Um, and I think. President Obama saw actually that learning to code is, um, he says that it's increasingly seen as foundational and essential for learning, like reading, writing, and arithmetic, which is, you know, kind of amazing. And he put, you know, towards like $4 billion um, in the federal budget for next year to bolster computer science education. So, you know, in terms of coding, I mean, we were talking about all kinds of different opportunities across sort of, you know, um, marketing, sales, 
engineering, all these different ways you can get involved in tech, but what's your feeling on coding and how important that is um, for people of color and minorities to get involved in? Uh, I think it's extremely important um, because of the, the opportunities that exist. I think, um, you know, from an educational standpoint, there are, you know, these coding schools that are popping up that provide opportunities for, you know, you to come in um, and, and gain a very uh, beneficial skill that can translate into immediate money, right? Like you, you graduate mm-hmm. a 10 to 12 week program, it's significantly less than a four year CS degree. And then you can go get hired at Square or uh, Twitter, you know, as a, as a developer. Wow. Um, so I think that's extremely important. Um, I, you know, it's, it's tough. I've tried it. I wrote like a little bit of code in, in my, mm-hmm. you know, sales job, um, loading advertisements. Um, but, you know, again, I think it, as important as the coding piece is, I think, you know, a lot of other fundamental things are important as well, um, you know, such as agriculture and growing your food and being able to sustain off the land that you live on. Um, but for, for the coding piece, I definitely think um, it's, it's very fundamental and it's a huge opportunity because such huge turnover in jobs and, and so many uh, open spaces uh, waiting to be filled. And it's a really high-paying job. I mean, I, I had somebody that owned a, you know, a web design branding company, and he was constantly looking for talented, skilled web developers. And, you know, they didn't take projects under six figures, you know. So it, it's yeah. a, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of power, too, in building to code, you know, because everything is online, you know. So if you have exactly. that skill, then you can, you know, go out from there so um exactly so this has been like a really interesting conversation with you michael um thank you so much for being on our show today and so if somebody wanted to get involved with your project down in north carolina um how how could they go about doing that yeah um they could email me directly at gm.michael.english um you can find me gm.michael.english at gmail.com um, or you can just find me on social media I'm on Twitter at DJ Mike Check 1906 DJ M-I-C-C-H-E-C-K 1906 and uh, Instagram as DJ Mike Check um, so my social media or my email is you know definitely a way to get to me or you can call me Seven five seven three one nine six two five four. Um, you know, just call me. I may not answer, but leave a message and I'll <laughs> get back to you. Um, I love but that. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, you, that's and nice. you can always um, <laughs> contact Jody and I through Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org, um, and we can put you in touch with Michael. So I'm just curious, Michael, what was your last DJ gig? My last DJ gig. Um, <laughs> so I do I do a, a monthly residency with oh, cool. uh, this contemporary art museum in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, Cam Raleigh, um, super cool, amazing staff. But um, yeah, I do a monthly uh, a monthly uh, residency there, and uh, that was my last gig. 
Um, I love it. I love it there. Shout out to Cam Raleigh. And and to bring this all back together, what I love about like how the show has evolved is, you know, um, at Hive we were um, one of the things was social entrepreneurship and how when you're doing um, whatever it is you're doing, if it has an underlying social cause, that that's really good for business. And I, and I think that. Um, like Michael English is the perfect example of that is how his underlying cause is really it it it's good all around right so he Definitely. has the opportunity to to make money and uh bring growth and um to the rest of the country starting in his hometown of Raleigh but like it still has an underlying social um, innovation in it. And I think that's what the future is going to be because I think um, just building companies to build companies no longer works. And I think that if we can put a social component to it, the whole world's going to be just that much better. Exactly. Exactly. Um, just helping to create, you know, a diverse talent pool that's ready to transition seamlessly into either working for it you know, one of these huge tech companies or building an amazing company of their own. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about some of those stories that come out of the hub that you're building. And do you have like a timeline where you think, um, I mean, I know you're in the preliminary stages, but, you know, do you have a sort of like a goal set in mind of when you would like to see things start manifesting? Yeah, definitely. Um, We're looking to launch the first space, um, early spring of uh, 2017 nice. um, with, a, with the school in the state of North Carolina. Um, can't really say where yet, um, but there's a lot of conversations around that. Um, but yeah, definitely looking to, to get that going. Awesome. Well, please let us know and keep us in the loop because you're doing awesome work. And Yeah, we would so, love to support it however we can, yeah. even if it's interviewing some more of your entrepreneurs who are part of your hub. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So big thanks to you, Michael, for being on our show today. And um, next week, we're going to have some interviews from Sage Summit. So you're definitely going to want to tune in. You never know who we're going to find on the road. So um, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, it's time for you to get radical. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 